Thank you for joining us for the Ravenswood Baptist Church Podcast with Pastor Dustin Moore. We are a Bible-believing, grace-driven church located on the north side of Chicago. As a church, we are passionate about making disciples of all people for the glory of God. If you would like more information about our ministry, visit ravenswoodbaptist.org. Now, here's Pastor Dustin. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And uh, I want to um, just ask you, if you will, to find your place and uh, there in 1 Thessalonians 5. Usually, we are uh, in book studies. Uh, we tend to go chapter by chapter, verse by verse uh, through Scripture. Uh, we live by a little bit of a motto, next chapter, next verse. We begin a new study next Sunday morning. Uh, that I believe will be helpful to our church. Uh, But I I want to ask you this morning, if you will, just to give me attention. It's not often that that I, as a pastor, take time to just challenge our church, challenge those that attend regularly, that are members, regarding, I believe, a very important theme and message. Today, I'm going to try to my best to just kind of stick to notes that I've written now almost three times and I don't like any of the three copies that I've written. The new year gives us a chance. doesn't make us new people. The new year doesn't make us a new creation. The new year doesn't and will not make you a new better version of you, which is okay, because God doesn't love a better version of you. God loves you. God doesn't love the 2021 version of you. He loves you today. The message that I want to share with you is about four weeks, or excuse me, about four months of some thoughtful and prayerful introspection into my heart, into my, my life, my mind, and then into the life and the health of our church. I'll never forget, before I became a pastor, my dad, who was not a senior pastor, he served as a missions pastor who he oversaw a missions ministry at a large church. He once gave me a some encouraging words about a pastor's spiritual calling. He said, as a medical doctor, should be about the physical health of a patient, so a pastor must be about the spiritual health of a congregation. My dad would so uniquely often refer to himself as a soul doctor. It wasn't but a few years later in some courses that I was taking for certifications, courses in the realm of psychology and counseling, that I began to grasp the link that Scripture gives us between our body, our soul, and our spirit. We'll hear that and see that in the text today. For the last several months, I've been doing a quiet study and research and as a pastor I'm not a credentialed health expert I don't have authority to tell you how you should 
eat and whether you should take up a certain diet or not. I'm not a physical trainer, obviously. I'm not an expert in all things physical. But I do believe that the Scripture is rather clear that as Christians, we don't see the body as being unimportant. We are not Gnostics who believe that all matter is bad and only spirit is good. We're Christians who just celebrated and came through the celebration of the physical incarnation into a human body of the Lord Jesus. The body, my body, and your body, physically, they matter. When the Bible speaks of the body, it speaks of the flesh. It's the part of you that is material. It is the part of you that, as it is material, it is also in its material being, it is under the curse of sin. There have been better days, maybe, that your body has experienced. I would think of a day where my body was not lacking hair on my head. Your body, Scripture tells us, will one day be fully saved and fully whole and well when you receive your glorified body. It would be great if we could skip flu season and just get that glorified body, wouldn't it? Romans 12 tells us, though, that our body, in its physical, material presence, is able to be presented to the Lord, holy, acceptable. It's to be, our bodies to be a living sacrifice, in that, in so being that as we steward and care for the physical body that God has given us, that we, you and I as believers, present our bodies to the Lord as a reasonable service in light of the gospel of grace. But the scripture doesn't just talk about a body, it talks about a spirit. There's a lot of argumentation about the spirit. What is the spirit? What is the soul? I'm going to argue that I believe the spirit is that portion of you that was instantly transformed, regenerated, and made new by the spirit of Christ. It is That Spirit that Romans 8 tells us bears witness with the Holy Spirit that we are God's children. And so your Spirit is that part of you that at this this point of your life is fully and satisfactory whole in Jesus. You've been saved and your Spirit has been made new, but I would argue at the same time that your soul is not the bad part of you. Your soul is also been promised and given salvation just as your spirit has and I should mention just as your body has. Your soul as being a part of you, it's that whole part of you that Romans 10 tells us that has been saved once for all, been sanctified once for all. Romans 10.14 tells us that for by one offering, Jesus, He hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. That your sanctification has already happened in your spirit and in your soul. And so both your soul, the Greek word in the scripture, psyche, 
from where we get the idea of psychology or psychological and your spirit, pneuma. It is that breath of you. It is that spirit in you. Paul refers to both spirit and soul as being the inner man. In Ephesians 3, he says this. He says that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, that body, that outward man, yet the inward man, both soul and spirit, is renewed day by day. I do believe that all of you, if you're a Christian, all of you, body, soul, spirit, has received the hope of salvation. I don't believe that there's a part of you that is the bad, evil twin, and there's another good twin on the other shoulder that represents the good you. I believe that in Jesus Christ, all Christians have been made whole by the blood of Christ. This does not mean that your body is whole. It does mean that Christians see their body not as theirs, but as belonging to Christ. It does not mean even that you'll be perfect. It doesn't mean we don't sin. It does mean that we are not partially sinner who on Sundays acts like a saint. No, the Bible tells us that we are new creatures. And so because we are new creatures, you and I that are believers, we are saints who sometimes sin. You say, what does all this have to do with anything? Thank you for asking. Stay with me. So as I said, we believe that God made us as whole people, body, soul, spirit. You are not your body. Your body is not your person. These three portions of our life are not to be compartmentalized and to never affect one another. We believe as Christians that the inner man, although renewed and sanctified in Jesus, and that the outer man is, is perishing day by day and will receive that glorified body at some point, we do believe that all of us, body, soul, and spirit, is intrinsically valuable to the Lord. Now that leads me to the key point that i like to focus on today. And I want you, if you will, to hear me not just as a Bible teacher for these next few moments, but if God has graced me with the blessing to be your pastor, I want to challenge our church family this year. I want to challenge you with something that the Lord has challenged me regarding. Over the last two years at least, we have seen a rise in the pastoral ranks. We have seen the rise in the pastoral ranks of pastors who battle mental and emotional illness. 
It was just a few months ago that on the national day to bring attention to suicide, a pastor, a well-known pastor, took his life. For me, to be very candid with you, I believe that I stand here today as an emotionally and psychologically whole person. My family might argue with that, but I believe it's the truth. I must be honest with you, though. There was a season about 10 years ago where my wife and I, in a season, battled some very serious depression. There have been times where if you battled depression, where you have not been well for various reasons, whatever those reasons might be, you tend to find yourself being aware of warning lights that might creep in. I don't know how many warning lights I've seen, but I assure you of this, if you have a warning light on your car today that says check engine, please do not just go to the auto, to the, to the auto repair mechanic and ask them to turn the light off. You address the engine. I stand here today as somebody who often finds himself concerned about a warning light. A warning light that is not just in me. One of the great gifts that God gave me in a, in a year-long battle with depression that the Lord gave me very good people, counselors, and truth, and the same with my wife. One of the blessings that I have, which is also somewhat of a curse at times, is that my fear is when I see a warning light that might affect me, my concern is that it might be a warning light that it would affect another. Three and a half years ago when my family moved here, some of the warning lights in my own life began to be ignored, such as good sleep, good eating, consistent exercise, laying off too much coffee, drinking a lot of water, and staying active and having good outside of church and work habits and joyful uh, treasures and enjoyments. The gospel of Jesus enables me. It enables you. In your new inner man, the gospel enables us to cultivate a healthy spiritual, physical, emotional, and psychological health. I'm not qualified as a, as a psychologist to speak to so many of the matters that are beyond what my training would allow. I am permitted, though, as a Bible teacher, to simply say this to you. All of you matters to the Lord. Body, soul, and spirit. Think of your health. And if you're wondering when we're going to get to 1 Thessalonians 5, we're getting there. Just wait. Think of health for a moment. This is something that we all grasp well. Many people are seeking in 2020 to be that happier, healthier version of them. We've had several members in our church who have had surgery in the last 12 months. We have people in our church today who have surgery coming in coming days. And I assure you, if you talk to them, they will tell you that the Lord has given them in recent days a renewed appreciation of 
for health. I was in Missouri with my family this week on our annual after Christmas vacation. And I saw in a Target this sign. And it, it just grabbed my attention because it was that day that I had submitted my notes to the office, my notes for this morning to the office here at the church. And we were in Target as my wife and kids do so well shopping and spending money. And I was standing by the registers waiting for my duty. And there by the entrance in the register, I saw this sign. Renew you. Renew you. And I thought to myself, everybody wants this in some way. Everybody is seeking renewal. Newness. At the core of renewal is that word, to make new you. In seeking spiritual health, we have to grasp the importance of stewarding our bodies better than we often do. We, and I'm not going to get into statistics today, we are an overworked, undersleeping, overeating, sugar overwhelmed, Moving less people as we sit on the couch watching TV, Netflix, Disney Plus, and we scroll for hours through social media, numbing everything in us. I want to challenge our church, I want to challenge not the buildings but the people. I want to challenge our church this year to care well for your body. As I mentioned, many in here could speak at length today about the blessing of good health. Many could speak today about the ailments that they've experienced and if they could avoid them, they would be glad to. Others of us, as far as we're aware, we might be in fairly good health. And so it would behoove us as Christians. This is not a conversation that is only for the unbeliever. And if you've been here for three and a half years, you've probably not heard Dustin Moore speak about this very much. Because I am not your life coach. I'm a pastor who loves the people of this church dearly. And I want to encourage you this year to eat well, to sleep well, and yes, to move well. See, what does that have to do with spiritual? Everything, if we consider, if we consider the union and the uniting of body, soul, and spirit, that I as a Christian can live out spiritual disciplines only, only to the health of my body. I do believe That the spiritual disciplines nurtured in the outer man, such as prayer and Bible reading with the eyes that God has given me, or listening to Scripture with the ears that God has given me, in this outer man that perishes, and the legs that walked me into church this morning. 
that it is vital that if I want to grow the inner man of my spiritual life, I must steward well the outer man of my body. I must. I must also not be so consumed with the physical appearance that God has given me or the physical appearance that I have taken away from what God has given me and only care about weight loss and diet and exercise. I must be a Christian who is whole and serving both body, outer man, and inner man. There's an enemy that I want to propose to you that has become the great hindrance to spiritual and physical health in our, in our lives. There are probably many. This is not exhaustive, but I want to recommend to you one before we jump into this text for a few moments. It's a word that finds no practice. It finds no practice in the Scripture. It finds no practice in the life of Jesus. It is what I do believe in agreement with John Mark Comer and others. It is what I believe is the great non-sinful enemy of our day. You say, what is it? Well, I thought of, first I thought, well, maybe, maybe laziness is what it is. I don't know if it's laziness. Because laziness, to be lazy, is to sin. And so in the realm of non-sinfulness, is it apathy to not really care that much? No, because to live apathetic is to not live a faith-filled life. Is it to live life without intentionality? No. It's not even to live life without intentionality because there are people who simply cannot live intentionally because their bodies are not allowing them to live the life that they wish they could live. So what might it be for those of us that are here today? This is where a warning light begins to register. It's this word, a simple word, one that we like actually a lot. It's the word hurry. The word hurry. We as urban dwellers, we as people in a big city that is fast-paced, we, even outside of the city, in the suburbs, we're living a more hurried life than ever. We love drive through We love instant download. We mobile order our coffee even now. We love prime delivery. Because here's the deal. We like fast. But nothing in the Christian walk, keyword, nothing in the Christian walk is accomplished when we live hurried. Yes, Jesus does live with intentionality. But that does not mean hurry. And so let me just say quickly this morning, for us to cultivate health, for us to cultivate this health that we need to have, that God in the gospel has enabled us to have, both body, soul, and spirit, we must slow things down. We need space. We need silence. We need solitude. We need rest. We need margin. 
We need recreation and relationships. We need renewal as that sign indicated. We need good hobbies. We need to find the ability to stop. This type of life does take an intentional, purpose-filled, and spirit-led yes to things. While at the same time, a spirit-led no to things. So some thoughts before we look at the text on pursuing health. And please don't see this as a legalistic list that your pastor is expecting and I'm going to be checklisting and making sure that you're accomplishing these things. There's no report to turn in. There's no quiz or test. But there is a life of stewardship that says, I am not my own, I belong all body, soul, and spirit to my Savior. And so can I recommend some things to you? I want to encourage you to create healthy rhythms, spiritual rhythms in your life of Bible reading, prayer, corporate worship, fellowship. I want to encourage you to move well, if physically able. Take that walk that you need to take. Get those steps you need to get. Get on the bike that has been put away for a long time. Never mind, wait till April for that. Eat a healthy diet as your doctor might recommend you to. However your doctor recommends. Maybe you need to get a physical. Maybe you need to do something as simple as sleep well. Get those seven, eight, nine hours of sleep. I was often challenged to hear of people when I was, when I was in seminary, Bible college, I would hear of these great pastors who were up at three in the morning praying. And little did I realize that these guys were operating before there was electricity. So when the sun went down, people went to bed. They weren't getting up at 3 by going to bed at 11. They were getting up at 3 by going to bed at 7. We, on the other hand, are going to bed at 10, 11, 12, and getting up at 4, 5, 6. And we're walking zombies. Go to bed. Drink water. I get an amen from anybody here? Drink water. I told you, I'm not a doctor. But in recent days, the Lord has continued to press on me the need, I say recent, over the last seven, eight months of trying to steward better the body that I was not stewarding for the last three years and was filling with coffee constantly. And that sounds great to me. At 37, it works. I'm not sure how well it'll work at 47. Drink water. Here's one that you might not like, but it would be a good idea. Shut your phone off for a consecutive 24-hour time period once a week. Shut it off. Facebook will be fine. Instagram will be fine. The news app that alerts you every time you should be angry and upset about something will be fine. Shut your phone off. And just be present with people, friends, and the Lord. Aim to make small adjustments in a hurried life. Leave a little bit earlier so you're not pressured. In all this, maybe find an accountability partner to help you in any one of these areas for which the Lord might lead you to adjust. At the end of the day, we're Christians and we need to pursue wholeness and wellness. 
It doesn't, I don't think God laughs. I don't think God finds it funny when we joke about how little we sleep, how much we eat, how out of shape spiritually and physically we might be. I think God looks and says, I gave you one of these. I gave you one body. You get one shot at this life. I'm not here to vouch for keto, plant-based, Atkins diet, people still do that, South Beach, I'm not here for that. I'm a pastor that says this, you're only as good to the people you love as you care for yourself and your body and as you rest. But at the end of the day, we understand too, the scripture's clear that bodily exercise profiteth little but godliness. But godliness is profitable to all things. So let's be in pursuit of wholeness and wellness in Jesus. And I say that understanding this. There are people in this room that you have sickness and disease that you can't help. And so I'd be gracious to you and say, our church wants to walk with you in prayer and grace in these difficulties. We understand that God has allowed affliction to come. And so let us be an encouragement to you this year and wherever we can be. You say, what does any of that have to do with 1 Thessalonians 5? Everything. Because at the latter portion of 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul tells the Christians what life looks like in light of the return of Jesus. It's literally as the great non-Christian, non-theological Mormon, forgive me, Stephen Covey said. You live your life with the end in view. For the Christian, the end in view is not simply what do you want somebody to say at your funeral or what do you want your headstone to read or what legacy will you want to leave. For the Christian, the end in view is what will we present to Jesus when he returns? What will we present? Will we be able to say that we stewarded the body that we were given? Well, will we be able to say that we gave ourselves to spiritual wellness and regular spiritual patterns of health and nourishment in the Word and in the church and in in prayer and in fellowship and in resting in Jesus? And so what does Paul do here? Verse Thessalonians 5. He gives patterns and actions of spiritually healthy lives. Christians who live knowing Christ's return could be any moment. The imminency of Jesus' return calls us to be more mindful and ready and aware that it could be any moment. And unfortunately, if you've watched the news this week, things are getting tense. So Paul says things like this to the Christians that I think would be good for us to hear today for these next couple moments. He says this. He says, rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. i got to stop there because these two seem to indicate time and space. They seem to indicate slow down. These don't happen in hurried lives. 
These don't happen in people that are running like crazy and never resting and, and, and stopping and turning a phone off and, and getting alone and, and enjoying some quietness and, and going apart or getting apart before they fall apart. These two actions of rejoice evermore and pray without ceasing mean I need to slow down and I need to meditate on the goodness of God. I need to stop. And I need to, yes, maybe get that hot cup of coffee or hot tea or eight ounces of water eight times a day. And I need to rejoice evermore. Or I need to pray without ceasing. Now, I as a child always saw this as one of the hardest verses in all of Scripture. What do I do when I'm, when I'm sleeping? Pray without ceasing doesn't mean I'm always praying. It means my posture is always one of ready prayer and dependence on the Lord. Nothing makes me realize my dependence on the Lord until I go on vacation with my family and I stop for a couple days and it seems to take me three or four days just to slow down and to listen to Jesus. It just reminds me that I live way too fast. Paul talks about rejoicing evermore in Philippians 4 when he says rejoice in the Lord always. At all times, pray without ceasing to continue in prayer, Colossians 4.2. And then he says this, that the healthy Christian life is in everything give thanks. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And what does this mean for the will of God? I mean, isn't the will of God what I do with my life? And isn't the will of God who I marry and where I raise my children? Isn't that the will of God? Surely there is a portion of that that is true, but I assure you of this, that because thankfulness is the marking, Romans chapter 1, of unbelievers, a lack of thankfulness, I should say, is the mark of unbelievers. Gratitude is the mark of believers. And so the will of God in gospel-loving Christians is this. We're grateful people. Have you ever... After Christmas, try to write thank you notes. And maybe you're like me. You live good intentioned with thank you notes. But you literally got to put it on your calendar to sit down and to put everything else away from you and just write for a couple hours. It takes slowness. Fast-paced people. Drive-through kind of Christians. Drive-through hurried kind of people are not people who are slowly thankful. In fact, we're quickly bothered. We're not grateful for the food we received. We're bothered that it didn't come faster. We're not grateful for the hands that prepared lunch. We're wondering why we're still waiting. But thankful people slow down. They slow down. Express gratitude. This is healthy gospel-infused response to Jesus. We're more restless than ever and less thankful than ever. Thankfulness recognizes what we have in Jesus. Thankfulness pursues a life of simplicity and satisfaction. 
And Paul goes on to say, quench not the Spirit. It has the idea of putting out a fire. And this happens by putting out the fire of the Spirit in your heart, by living in unrepentant sin, as well as, as acting intentionally in a way that stirs, uh, that, that, that does not uh, stir the Holy Spirit's voice. And so hear me very carefully, going back to the point about hurry. To quench the Spirit, it often happens not intentionally by sin, but it often happens in hurriedness to not cultivate the fire of the Spirit in our life. I've tried to read the Bible on a train with people running into me. I've tried to read the Bible on a bus standing in the middle of the aisle while everybody had to get off at every stop. I've tried to read the Bible in the busiest of places in a city. And I'll be honest with you, nothing stirs my heart like the Scripture in quiet moments of my life. He goes on to say, and for time, I'm just going to quickly hit on these. He talks about despise, not prophesying. He says, prove all things. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain, he says, from all appearance of evil. This is the byproduct of spiritual health, that there's a willingness to know what is true, know what is right. To despise, not prophesying means to not be bored with the revealed word of Scripture, that the word of God, give it time, give it attention, and to, in all of this, stir and cultivate health. You might, as Mindy and I did yesterday, you might bring a plant home. We didn't mean to. We were the recipients of that person that thought, I thought you'd like a plant here. And we're going, great, we kill plants very well. You might get a, a plant. And you might water it. Don't overwater it like the Moors do. You might... Nurture it. You might trim it at times. Or whatever you people that do plants well do. But what I tell you of this, one of the beauty of the plant is the slowness of the growth. The slowness of the growth. Paul says these are some habits that take time of spiritually healthy people. And then he just refers, secondly, he refers to spiritual wholeness. And I want you to see this. I'm just going to touch on it. He says in verse 23, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. Holy. Sanctified. It's the idea of holiness. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul wants to give proper credit to the spiritual health and sanctification and the wholeness of believers. That these that Christians can see the Lord work in them body, soul, and spirit. And that it is the Lord who does the work. And so spiritual wholeness gives attention to the God of peace that we receive in the gospel. This is Paul's prayer and pursuit. Maybe this year as you want to be that person of better health and better financial health, and better friendship health, and relational health, and social health, whatever health you want to give attention to. Maybe your prayer would be this, Lord Jesus, I pray that by your grace and your enabling of your Holy Spirit that my body, soul, and spirit would be, would be stewarded well until your return. That I would protect what I do with my body, I would protect what I put into my body 
and I would protect the conversations that I have with other bodies and that I would nurture good spiritual and soul health. He wanted the Lord to bring spiritual wholeness until the return of Christ. I don't know when Jesus will be coming back, but I stand with Scripture that Christ will return. And as I finished, as I finished when I read Revelation 21 and 22, the week before New Year, my heart aches like John's heart to say, even so come Lord Jesus. But I want to make sure that as long as the Lord leaves me here, that I don't think that I am a savior and a rescuer, so I don't need to overwork and undersleep. I am not bulletproof, so I don't need to feed my body all that I think I want to eat. But I'm also not just worried about the body. I'm worried about my spirit. I'm worried about my soul. So if you this week are that person that you go five days a week or three or four days a week, I'm going to exercise for an hour, can I encourage you to also be that Christian who says I'm not just going to overwork or work my body, I'm going to give myself more than the five minutes it takes to read the proverb of the day. I'm going to feed myself spiritually on the word. Get an accountability partner. Read the Bible together. Pray weekly together. Attend worship consistently regularly. Don't miss it unless you're sick. If it wouldn't make you miss work on Monday, don't miss church on Sunday. Because our whole body, soul, and spirit needs to be cared for. Number three and lastly, and very quickly, Paul articulates his spiritual reliance in all of this. It is not that I am sufficient of myself. Paul says this in verse 24. He says, faithful is he that calleth you, who will also do it. Paul's reliance was not a healthy body. It was not being Paul, just being this goal-oriented type A, number three on the Enneagram, or number eight on the Enneagram for that matter, this aggressive personality type A person, Paul was concerned with understanding that anything that happened in him was not because Paul was faithful, but God is faithful. God who called us is God who works in us. And I don't know how much say-so God has and how much you squat or bench press at the gym or how far you can walk or run, but I do know this. God cares, and God enables strength in your body, and God effectually works in your inner man by the Holy Spirit. And so this is the great gospel promise for all believers. God who called you to salvation will absolutely make you perfectly whole and holy. He will accomplish it. You can try to renew and become new, But the newness that you need is not found in a diet, in a gym, or in a book club. It's found in Jesus. It's found in Jesus. And because you find it in Jesus, 
you are free to now go, enabled by the Holy Spirit, to live a life as a good steward in everything. In everything. And so, in conclusion, what physical choices do you need to make this year to steward well your body? I ask myself the same question. How do I need to give space for God to grow me in the gospel? What do I need to do? What decisions do I need to make? What do I need to nix and eliminate from my calendar and my schedule? What do I need to add to my schedule to make sure that there's space in my life for me to stop and be present and practice the presence of God in my life? What decisions do I need to make? Thirdly, I must grasp that it is not my pursuit of God that makes me whole, but it is God's pursuit of me in the gospel that is making me whole. Lastly, if the scripture is true and God's revelation in Jesus is true, how might we as Christians respond to that truth and be changed daily by it? For the unbeliever, I have to be the bearer of bad news to tell you that there is no spiritual wholeness in an unbeliever. There needs to be salvation, restoration, and spiritual healing found in Jesus. Say, how do I find that healing? Well, the good news of the Christian message is this, that God created you, and that God, as your creator, made you perfect in his image, but man has sinned and cut himself off and rebelled and lived as an enemy to God. And so when we should have been thankful, we were unthankful. But Jesus Christ came. He lived 33 years of a sinless life as a son of God. He came and in his life he lived perfectly and in his death he took our sin on himself. We were not whole. We are not whole As long as we are in our sin, we are not what God has made us to be. In fact, truly the best way to see it is in sin, this is not the way it's supposed to be. But we messed it up. Jesus comes. And in his death, he dies in our place. He raises again from the dead three days later. And in his resurrection, Christ guarantees us through him Through him, life lived in victory. Salvation is available to you, not by a church, not by a pastor, not by baptistry, not by good religious activity, and not even by finding the best version of you you can find. Salvation comes when we understand there is no good version of us that gives us salvation. There is only Jesus who gives us salvation. And so today, if you're here, and maybe your trust is elsewhere, I want to encourage you to place your trust in Jesus. Romans 10.13 tells us, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You want wholeness? Come to Jesus. You want If you're a Christian, you want to live 
a healthy body, soul, spirit life. I can't promise you health, wealth, and prosperity today. I can't promise you that you won't get the flu this season or that you won't, get a, you won't be sick. I can't promise that. I can simply tell you this. We can make decisions as good stewards of our body, and we should. The gospel frees us to. It enables us to. And we live our life understanding that Christ will soon return. Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at ravenswoodbaptist.org. If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media ministry and outreach ministry of Ravenswood, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Chicago and around the world.